Here at Kajabi, we're known for one thing, helping everyday people like you build successful businesses online. With our simple all-in-one platform, we've paved the way for over 100,000 people to create 300,000 products and collectively earn over $3.9 billion in revenue. And we've created the Kajabi Edge podcast to inspire, educate, and empower you to do the same. So unlike other podcasts that highlight the glory stories of today's most successful entrepreneurs, we're bringing you the real stories from real people who have created real success to give you the online business edge you need to succeed in today's digital marketplace. So if you're someone who's looking to start an online business, allow us to be the first to welcome you home to the Kajabi family. everyone and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you the online business edge you need to succeed on Kajabi. I'm your host Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience and today we're joined by Blaine Anderson, founder and CEO of Dating by Blaine. How's it going today Blaine? Doing wonderful, excited to be here. Excited to have you here. Uh, This I think is our first first of this industry I think. Wow, I'm honored. (laughs) Yes, yes. I love pointing out first and we actually we have quite the backlog of episodes now. We've been around for over a year. So to be a first anymore is kind of an honor, I would like to think. Wow, I am honored. <laughs> well, I, whatever, I, I imagine this is this is pretty obvious to some degree, but I still want your elevator pitch. Tell us yeah. who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Blaine Anderson. I'm a dating coach for men and I teach men how to authentically market oh. themselves, create chemistry and flirt and not emotionally overinvest with the women they're most interested in. Well, let's move right on into the genesis. How did you move into this field? What were you doing before? Can you take us on that journey? Totally. So it's a little bit all over the place. I definitely... I'm 32. So if you take me back 10 years to graduating college, I had no intentions of becoming a dating coach. That wasn't even on my radar. Um, But I had always loved giving dating advice, talking about relationships and dating, You know, kind of getting the tea from my friends on what's going on. Like even as far back as, you know, I can think about like elementary, middle school, I'm like, Ooh, who likes who do you, do you like her? Like, (laughs) should I talk to her about that? So I've always been very into interested in and excited about facilitating relationships and hearing how people, hearing about people's feelings and where they're at. But after college, I moved to New York city and I started working in the travel industry, which at the time was my dream job. I got to travel all over the world, stay at amazing hotels. I really felt like I had found my call and what I wanted to do. And so over the course of, you know, that was 2013. And until 2020, I was working in the travel industry in varying ways, but mostly facilitating travel one way or the other for other people. I really enjoyed helping other people see the world because I love to see the world. And then the pandemic hit. (laughs) And as you know, the world came to a halt and especially travel planning essentially vanished overnight. And so I found myself essentially jobless without an income, moved back in with my parents and was sort of thinking, okay, now what? And I had throughout the past, you 
know, 10 plus years, I had been giving a dating advice to my guy friends, sort of just as a hobby on the side. When I was living in New York City, that's when dating apps had surfaced and it was no longer a weird thing to, you know, meet a stranger from the internet for a date. And I would see my guy friends dating app profiles. And these are guys who I knew really well and knew were awesome. And I was like, wow, okay, your dating app profile sucks. Like none of your great qualities are coming out and they're you're not showcasing them. Let me fix it. So I would work with them and fix it just, you know, kind of for fun. And then be like, oh, you should uh, fix up my roommates or my coworkers profile too. So I'd been dabbling in the space of helping men with their dating lives. And just again, always wanted to talk about it. Always wanted to hear what was going on in people's dating and love lives. So then when the pandemic hit and I found myself unemployed and living at home with no end in sight for, you know, when people would be back to traveling the world, I decided, okay, I need to look into doing something else. And my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, he was actually the one who was like, you know, you've been kind of interested in the coaching space and dating coaching. Why don't you should really lean into that? And I was still like, right at the beginning, I was still probably in the phase where I was like, well, feeling bad for myself, that like my dream career wasn't possible in this moment. And, um, but ultimately he's like, no, really. And he actually introduced me to a woman who has been on your podcast, introduced me as in made me aware of her, Danielle Leslie. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I took Danielle Leslie's course and she's a wonderful, I find her so inspiring and charismatic and smart. And so I took her course and that is kind of what kicked off my journey in creating what is now my masterclass for men and is my the bread and butter of dating by Blaine. So that's how I, my journey to getting to be a dating coach full-time or what started me off on that part of the trip. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I have to imagine that there was a period of time, I, you kind of alluded to this, where you were questioning because I mean, dating is one of those things that I suppose is very relatable to everyone. You'd been giving advice, but like, was there any type of moment, aha moment for you to where you were like, I can actually make money doing this because I'm giving that good of advice? Yeah. Yeah. I, if I'm being honest, I don't know that there was an aha moment before I decided, okay, I'm going to make a course and just try it. Definitely the aha moment after that was because, so I'd been working with men. It was always one-on-one. It was always talking to them about their dating life one-on-one, maybe getting and getting paid a little bit here and there for helping with profiles and that sort of thing. But when, you know, I had the idea of like, okay, can I make a course out of this? A one to many sort of thing that I can, you know, serve more men at, at a price point that's affordable. I, I didn't know if it was going to work. And, but when I got the first couple people, really the first, even one person who to buy, to buy my course, I was like, whoa, okay, this is possible. This isn't just like a hobby or a fun thing I'm doing on the side. Like I see a future in being able to build this. And I still had no idea at that point. I was going to be excited if I was able to make a few thousand dollars a month to, you know, tide me over until the world opened back up and people were able to travel again. And then fast forwarding two years, I don't do any, I don't work in the travel industry at all. I never turned back. I don't do that. I don't have anything to do with with that profession. And I'm full-time dating coach with what I feel is a great business. Yeah. And and I actually like that answer a lot more than if you were to have said that it was just immediately obvious, because I think that makes it so much more accessible to Mm -hmm. the listener who is, you know, considering taking that leap. Uh, You 
you may not necessarily have all of the confidence in the world to, yeah. you know, or all of the credibility or the, you know, the mm-hmm. guaranteed expertise to mm-hmm. step into that. So for you, what was, what would you say was kind of your first semblance of success? Was it just that first sale that was enough to keep you pushing forward? Or when did you realize that it, this was actually going to be a successful business? Um, That's a good question. I think there was two. There was around the time of the first sale. So when I originally started my, what I call my master class, I was hosting it live. And it was almost exactly two years ago that I launched my first one and I had eight guys sign up. And I was like, whoa, eight people wanted it. And I can get into how I found those eight clients, but it was like tooth and nail. Like I was, you know, really working to convince these people. And it was great. And I loved it. I, it was really fun. And then fast forward a year from that first course, which was a year ago today, I had defined my business a bit more. I had my funnels in place. I had growth on social media that I'd, I'd, I understood how to get growth on social media. I felt like I was in a place where I was like, I know what I'm doing. And especially as a coach, my business is always developing, always growing, always changing. But it got to a point about a year ago where I was like, okay, like my head is above water. And I feel like I at least people started asking me for advice. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is like a business. This is legit. I don't feel like a little bit of an imposter syndrome before that. Um, and to your point on, you know, not having, feeling like I had the expertise in things that, that that was really real in the beginning. I was like, why me? You know, okay. I like talking about these things and I've given, you know, some people good advice, but can I really do this like for a business? And then when you start to see your clients getting, uh, sorry, when you start to see your clients getting those results, the results that you, you want for them and they want for themselves, that's when you're really like, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I can do this. And like, I, am worthy of being a dating coach and I can help people. So that's a really good feeling. Yeah, that's that's the magic of any type of business is that you, that first client and actually delivering something that's meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, such an unforgettable thing. I do want to dive into what you just said there is in terms of how you got those first few clients. Um, let's start with that and maybe even move into beyond those first few customers. Yeah. So when I first realized, okay, I want to do a, I want to do a masterclass format. I took Danielle Leslie's advice, which was sell your course before you make your course. Because by selling it, you're going to get a lot of information about what your client wants to see in their course. So I made a dating app profile for myself and in the on Hinge, on Bumble, on Tinder that said, I'm a dating coach, not here to date, here to help you get the, the results that you're interested in or the results that you want dating. And I wrote a free guide. It was my first free guide and it was how to date during the pandemic. And in my dating app profile, I said, match with me if you want my free guide on how to date during the pandemic. And so guys would match with me. Other guys would uh, report me and I'd get kicked off the app and I'd make a new profile. I'd use my mom's phone to make another profile because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not supposed to be... Sorry, Hinge. Sorry, Bumble. You're not supposed to be soliciting your services on those apps. Um, and from there, I would get email addresses. Okay, give me your email and I'll send you my guide. And I'd email them my guide and say, okay, like, tell me more about your dating life. Like, what can I help with? Uh, I would get them on the phone. I would basically beg people to get on the phone with me. Do you think we should uh, schedule a call to talk about this? I think, I think I could really provide some insight there. So I'd get these guys on the phone and then talk to them, understand where they were coming from, which was really helpful for developing my course. And then eventually pitch them on, okay, well, you know, I'm creating a course for uh, exactly, you know, improving your dating life. These things we've talked about. I think you'd be a great candidate. You should join. 
And through talk, oh, I don't even know how many phone calls I had to get those eight people to sign up, probably 20 or 30. Um, and then, but those eight guys joined and I built my first version of the course. I already had an idea. I already did an outline. I knew some things I wanted to include, but really talking to them and hearing about their struggles and what they wanted to learn helped me crystallize what I wanted to include and flesh out the rest of it. Yeah. Well, I, I have to, I would love to get just some perspective when you were doing those calls, getting people on the calls. Was that, were you actually monetizing that or were you just trying to get people in your, your lead pool? I was just trying to get people in my lead pool at that time. And now I don't get on the, you know, I don't do coaching calls. I don't get on the phone with people who aren't clients, but sure. at the time I would, I would talk to anybody. Someone would reply to an email with gibberish and I would be like, mm, should we talk about this on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, take us, take us a little bit further, you know, you beyond those first eight, maybe uh, even just on the way there, tell us about that initial launch. What were you expecting? What did, what actually happened and how yeah. did you go take that further? So for my first course, so it was hosted live. It actually, up until now, I do host it live and then record it. And I upload it to Kajabi where I have, uh, where I host my course and people and my clients can access it there. But I was hosting it live. This was way before I was using Kajabi. And, uh, I was actually in Croatia. I had decided like right before kind of like in the mix while I was, uh, trying to get guys to sign up, this was still, you know, 2020 height of the pandemic, but I really wanted to go to Europe. I had it in my mind, you know, I'm the traveler at heart. Like I got to go to Europe and Croatia is open for tourists. And I love Croatia. I'd already spent months in Croatia previously. And so Croatia was open to Americans. So my boyfriend and, and I at the time went to Croatia, rented an apartment and were working remotely from there. But I had committed to, you know, I wanted to do this masterclass, but I, and I knew I wanted to host it live and it needed to be at a time that worked for all of my clients, which were in the United States, mostly in California and New York or on the coast. So I was waking up at three in the morning once a week to host my course for these guys who were like, I don't even think I had any idea I was in Croatia. I'd sleep for a few hours and then pound a coffee, do some jumping jacks and yoga moves. I had like, you know, my bright <laughs> ring lights on me. No one, I didn't. I was like, no one knows I'm in Croatia. And I think in the fifth <laughs> week, I was like, by the way, it's four in the morning for me right now. And everyone's like, what? Like, really? <laughs> so that was fun. It was definitely an adventure. But after that, and the first one was really sort of a trial. It's like, okay, can I get people to pay me for this? Uh, is this something that makes sense as a business? And after those eight guys, you know, signed up and the course went in my mind really well. And I got great feedback. I was like, okay, I'm going to double down on this. Uh, dating apps are not a good way to find customers. That was very labor intensive and like not allowed on the dating apps anyway. And so I think I started actually with a Facebook page and started just kind of cruising around Facebook, um, putting out advice on Facebook. And then was like, what am I doing? Like, I don't use Facebook. Like my friends don't use Facebook. They're on Instagram. So let's make an Instagram. So I made an Instagram and started putting out advice there. And that was hard. And I think a lot of people who are looking to start a business and they're, you know, my advice is always like start on, start on social, make a social account. They're all like, I, I, it's just so cringe. I'm worried about, you know, looking silly. And it's like, yeah, I, I can relate. Imagine, I remember having five followers and giving dating advice as if I'm an expert and I'm a dating coach. And it felt embarrassing at the time. I was like, Oh, what are people going to think? But ultimately, if anyone is worried about, you know, or being negative about what you are building or what you're doing, like you don't have space for them in your universe anyway, like that's more of a reflection of where they're at and unhappy with maybe their life than actually what you're doing. Nobody who is truly your friend or cares about you is going to judge you for trying something new, for putting yourself out there. Yeah. So that was, that was definitely a challenge at first. 
first. Like kind of getting out of getting out of my own head, getting over my ego of declaring that I was a dating coach and this is what I was going to be doing to my at the time five followers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I may have you beat slightly. I actually, as a result of another guest on this podcast, I have been antisocial my entire life. I started up a Twitter Twitter handle. Um, it's at Jared Asks. I don't even know if Twitter is the cool place to go right now. I think I have a whopping two followers. Um, so I, I imagine for anyone else, if that is, which it sounds like that social in general, maybe not Twitter specifically, but mm-hmm. that's a, a it's an excellent strategy to start building your audience and building mm-hmm. your credibility. Mm-hmm. Tell us, maybe you can even just speak to me here. I'm here trying to help uh, promote entrepreneurship and encourage people to take yeah. the risk. Like, what do I do to start building that following on Twitter? Mm-hmm. So I don't even have a Twitter, so I'm no expert in <laughs> Twitter. Platforms. But I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you would like to go to Instagram, I can really help you there. Um, so Instagram is my go-to-market. That's where I find all of my customers. So I can speak to that a bit more. But first, you know, make an account, obviously, step number one, and then get really clear on who you're speaking to. So, you know, it's very easy to just, okay, I'll just start giving advice, but that's really generic. And there's so many voices on Twitter, Instagram, whatever platform you're on these days. So many voices, so many people giving advice. So you need to stand out by getting really clear with who you're speaking to. Because then if you can get in front of that person, that really specific person that you're speaking to, and you're giving a, and you're saying a message that resonates with them and you're giving advice that resonates with them, they are going to follow you. Whereas if you know, oh, this person has like interesting advice, but it doesn't pertain to me exactly. I might not follow them because, you know, I already have so much noise and so many inputs coming at me from social media. So my first uh, piece of advice would be get super, super more granular than you could ever imagine about who you're talking to. And that doesn't mean people outside of that, you know, narrow window won't also follow you and join along. But I think that helps you get your messaging really clear and have a unique position. Yeah. So next steps in that naturally, I mean, I suppose you can make sales on social media platforms, but I imagine that you're ultimately trying to move them in. Is it you start building your list? What did you do to actually begin to monetize the audience? Yeah. So I was always monetizing through my master class, but I would, and you might recall with my dating, with the dating apps, I was getting their emails and I would, they would go through my email journey, which at the time was literally three emails. You know, I just had my three email marketing series and I was manually sending to each person that signed up. I'm like, okay, this person signed up, you know, three days ago. So that means he's getting this email. And it was obviously not sustainable that way. But as that grew and I, I was still using Instagram the same way I was using dating apps to get emails. So I was writing more free guides. So I was giving a lot of free advice um, via blog posts and guides. I would link those in my Instagram and then people would, to access it, would give me their email. And when they gave me their email, they would then be signed up for my email series. So they would go through my drip marketing series then, which has grown and changed a lot uh, (laughs) over the course of the past two years. And then when I would come up to a time that I was going to be selling my masterclass, because I would host it a few times a year because it was still being hosted live at this point, I would... Everyone who was on my email list would go through my email sales series, which was you know directly selling. So all of the emails leading up to that were just value add, building credibility, you know, giving free tips. And then right before my course would start, I'd say, okay, spots are open. Get in touch if you want to, you know, more know more about these topics that you've been reading about over the course of the past weeks or months. And so initially, anyone who was interested who would reply to the email, okay, I'm interested, I would get on the phone with them, and I would have a 20 minute consultation call to make sure that we were a good fit to work together. Because ultimately, and I still feel very strongly about this, I want to work with people 
people who want to work with me and we speak the same language and have shared values. If you, I'm not going to be the right dating coach for every man out there. So it's important to make sure that, you know, we're on the same page about how I work, what you're looking for. So I'd get on the phone with them and we would chat and then uh, they, they could sign up from there. And it was every, t- every time my course was growing with numbers of the number of people who joined. And then I guess about uh, maybe a year into maybe a little less than a year into offering my masterclass, I stopped doing the consultation calls. I had a big enough following on Instagram at that point where I felt like my, you know, my credibility was there. I had, I could build trust there. I had a lot of testimonials from clients who had already gone through it saying, you know, yes, you should do this. I had clients, past clients who were willing to get on the phone with potential new clients. So I was able to do away with the consulting call before sign up because ultimately that's again, you know, my trading my time for money and it was only so scalable. There's only one of me. So that was another really exciting moment where I was like, wow, I can convert people to buy without talking to them face to face. And that felt like a big milestone for the business as well. Let's talk about something that I I feel like we could have a full podcast, even a series of podcasted Mm -hmm. podcasts dedicated just to this uh, pricing. It's kind of one of those Mm -hmm. topics that I think for every entrepreneur, we struggle with this in some capacity. Maybe take us through your journey of pricing. I mean, you started off by free consultation calls, but I imagine that that changed quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would honestly say to anyone who's considering doing this and has an expertise in something, whatever you're thinking you should charge, charge more. Um, I think people, especially coaches, consistently undercharge and undervalue their own time because it's like, oh, you know, I'm charging this much an hour. But besides that hour of your actual time, like think about all the expertise you're bringing, all the hours, days, months, years, degrees, whatever it is, the time that you've already put in, you also need to account for that. So um, when I started my first masterclass, it was... $795, I believe. And, uh, and, and that was, I felt good about that. I, I think I was deciding, I was just like, should I do 595 or 795? You know, I wasn't quite sure. And then on that first consultation call, when someone said, okay, I'm in, he's like, okay, what's the pr- price? Cause I would, you know, save telling the price for kind of the end of the call. And then I was like, I saw both prices on my notes. Cause I had all the notes of what I was going to talk about on the call. Like, 795. He's like, wait, he's, what's he going to do? Say no. And then I can be like, you know what? I'll give you a special deal. And he was like, great. Okay. And I was like, there we go. Okay. (laughs) And then on my next masterclass, I was still doing the consultation calls. I was talking to a guy and he started to tell me, Oh, I've worked with this pickup artist. Um, so in the dating coaching community, there are there when I joined it, when I feel like when I got into it, there weren't that many dating coaches, specifically women helping men, but there were a lot of men quote helping men in the form of teaching pickup artistry. And that, and to my methods are very different than that. I find pickup artists to be more about like games and kind of tricks um, where mine's more based around psychology. But uh, anyway, there was a guy who I was on the phone with and he was telling me he'd spent thousands and thousands of dollars working with this pickup artist and it made him you know feel really slimy. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, how much would you pay? I was like, I'm undercharging. So on the spot right there, I raised my prices. And I think at that point I raised it to $995. Wow. And, yeah. And then uh, it just, it kind of just like crept up <laughs> over the next year from there. And now for that same masterclass, which is the same five week program. But at the when I first started, it also included actually an hour of one-on-one time with me. And now my masterclass includes no one-on-one time with me. And it is $1,295. Wow. So $1,295. So just to put a timeline on this perspective, um, like $795, where were you at? Uh, maybe like 
relate that to a time that you mentioned earlier? Was this like just post, you know, finishing the course? Like how, how, how far were you into your journey? So when I was selling at the 795 price point, I was a month and a half into this journey. Wow. I had literally taken Danielle Leslie's course on making courses in June of 2020. And I hosted my first masterclass in August of 2020, like August, I think eight. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we're right on just a year past. No, we're two years past. Two years. Uh, yeah. yeah. Time's a blur lately. I can't yeah. keep track of it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think I think that's another um, important thing to if you're considering doing something like this is there's always going to be a reason to delay the start or to you know record one more piece of piece of the course first or get a few pe- more people signed up. But ultimately, you're going to learn the most about your business and your client by just doing it. So even if your first you know shot at it is just one or two people, just do it. Just launch because done is better than perfect, and you're going to learn so much every time you do it and it's going to keep evolving two years later. I'm always making updates. Things are still completely evolving to my business, to my products. And so it's never going to be finished anyway. So if you wait for it to be finished, you'll never start. Yeah. I love that point. I think that makes the perfect... I guess, segue into some of the challenges, maybe even that first launch. I can imagine for anyone just coming over the overcoming those psychological barriers of putting things out there with a price tag mm-hmm. is a challenge in of challenge in and of itself. But yeah. for you specifically, what did that what, what were the, the troubles that you had to overcome? Yeah, well, you know what? I think I'm still overcoming them every time I raise my prices, every time I'm working on a new product right now that includes one on one access to me and is priced at a much higher price point. You go through the process of like, am I worthy of charging this? Like, can I bring value at this price point? And ultimately, you know, I've been able to come to terms with, yes, I can. Like, look at these results I've gotten people. Like I put so much sweat and, you know, into investing in each client I work with. Like I do deserve to charge this price, but that's not, it's that sound makes it sound easy. That's just like, yeah, I deserve it. You know, I should do it, but it's not that simple. It's you really have to spend time believing in yourself and making sure that you believe you're worth it. Because if you don't believe you're that nobody else is going to pay you that money, that amount, you know? So that was definitely, that's still something that I uh, am working through. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's actually comforting to know in a way for someone like you who for all intents and purposes have became incredibly successful in the space for anyone who is even considering to, to, to take that leap, to understand that that continues to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. So incredibly relatable. So after you launched that first masterclass, any, any learnings, what did you, how did you know like what the next step was to take? Because it sounds like that happened pretty quickly after you, yeah. you built it, you launched it. How did you figure out the next step? So for me, the next step was like, let's rinse and repeat. Like, how can I do this again? And how can I double the size and of the men that the number of men I'm helping? And that was what took me to social media. And that was sort of when I had that, that was a big aha moment for me was, okay, if I can make compelling content, speaking to the per, my ideal client on Instagram, Instagram, Instagram is going... Instagram wants people to stay on the app. They want to serve you content that you're interested in. I was like, I literally realized Instagram is going to help me if I help myself. You know, If I'm putting out the content consistently, it's good content. I'm using the right hashtags. I'm following best practices there. They are going to do their best to put it in front of the people I want to reach. And that was really hard. There was a point where I remember when I first started, I was like, okay, can I post every other day? And that was really hard. It was like, okay, I have to record a video or I need 
to make, you know, a static post, like a, a little quote. What am I going to say in it? Uh, what is that going to look like? And it was, it was really hard at first. And it honestly is still one of the hardest parts of what I do. But that was, um, like after that first course, I suppose that was where I directed my attention. Cause I real, I realized pretty quickly, this is how I'm going to find more people. It's not going to be on Facebook. It's not going to be on the dating apps. It's not going to be, you know, mailers or knocking on people's doors. It is Instagram. And so I really doubled down on figuring that out. And what I realized was what posting once every other day wasn't nearly enough. (laughs) Now I post every single day. I always have a story live. I'm engaging with people in the DMs. I'm liking comments and replying to people. So that was another big uh, thrust in in my business that has fueled the growth. I I don't... I wouldn't have imagined for some reason that that your target market would have existed on Instagram is are you are you getting indirect uh, referrals or is that that's where the audience is actually hanging Instagram. out Instagram I think right. I, I thought the same thing though like going into it I didn't think Instagram I was like okay I'm gonna need to figure out how to like even run ads on Facebook which ads is like a whole nother beast um but what I really realized is everybody's on Instagram not everybody apparently you're not uh, but, but <laughs> <laughs> Most single men are on Instagram. Um, and, and or at least enough of them that I have a very healthy business and I can reach them there. Apparently I need to be. Um <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you don't like I literally live on Instagram. Like I said, I'm posting every single day. And at this point, and I love it. Like I do. I love what I do. So I love that I can find my customer there and then therefore help them. But there are definitely days where I'm like, oh, wow, I like really don't want to film more content right now. Okay, I need to get in the mood. You know, it's hard. Instagram is the hardest part of my job, probably because that's it. But that's the fuel. That's how I find that's the engine. That's how I find my customers. Yeah. Well, let's let's go back to talking about some of the results that you've been able to achieve i know that i think think you're pretty open with some of the numbers but like we don't even have to get into that like we can get into just like some of the outcomes that you've been able to deliver for um, yeah. for your audience yeah so specifically i've had at least two engagements um i actually am cat sitting for a client right now who is traveling with his fiance <laughs> um so lots of successes there and ultimately when i talk about success it's not necessarily, oh, this guy has a girlfriend. That might be one way to measure success because, you know, being in a relationship with someone you're excited about is awesome and a lot of people's end goals. But really, my goal is to help men feel more confident, be happier with their love lives, be interacting and dating women that they are excited about and, you know, have fun along the way. I think a lot of people lose sight that lose sight of the fact that dating should be fun. You know, like you're meeting new people, you're having these new experiences you're learning about somebody else. You're ultimately maybe finding the person that you want to spend there, hopefully finding the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. Like that should be a fun process. And I think people get in this mindset of like, oh, dating sucks. Like I hate it. You know, it's inevitable rejection. And so I really try and help men lean away from that and learn how to have fun with it. Because ultimately you're going to get a lot better results if you're having fun and you feel good about the process as well. I've been out of the dating pool for a really, really, long time. (laughs) But I imagine that there are some 
parallels associated with business and how you operate. There's there's so many similarities because it's all about putting yourself out there. Yeah. Can you share any parallels that you found to from dating to even just the business world and maybe how that's impacted your journey uh, as a business person? Totally. I think one of the key drivers of success in having a successful business or dating life or relationship is the ability to communicate openly and honestly. Uh, I don't think you ever regret, you know, having an honest conversation or being vulnerable and that whether it's, you know, with your business partner or with colleagues or with uh, your spouse or somebody that you're interested in dating. But I think that's a really scary thing. So helping uh, men get to... And that's actually some of the feedback I get after my course a lot. Like I'm a dating coach. I'm looking at everything with a dating lens. But one of the most common pieces of feedback I get is like, wow, this has actually helped my communication skills and helped me in every aspect of my life, in my personal relationships, in my work, uh, and how I carry myself in my day to day with my own mental health, which is so amazing to hear. Absolutely. Hands down. My favorite part of this journey and this business I have built is been hearing that, that feedback from clients and hearing like, wow, like this changed my life. Nothing better. Yeah. Let's, I want to do something with you that I, I did with Danielle as well on the podcast, because I think this is so applicable. Maybe you could take some of just some of your, your advice here, put this in terms of something that maybe our listener might be interested. You can speak to me if you want, even though we're not talking about dating so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, like what's a good, good piece of advice that one could take and apply to make them a better communicator to make mm-hmm. their offer more attractive? Um, yeah. So I think uh, an important piece of advice, whether you're talking about your offer or yourself, you know, you're marketing yourself to a potential date is that person is only going to know what you show and tell them. So if you don't show and tell this woman that you are ambitious and that you're funny and that you are driven and that you, you know, love to do X, Y, and Z, she's never going to know it. And, you know, same with like, if you're buying a car, I use the car example in my course. It's like, you don't actually, you're not going to know this car is our all wheel drive and has reliable gas mess mileage and is dependable unless the salesperson tells you these things. Like you need to think about how you're, I don't like to say selling yourself because that sounds sleazy, but how you're marketing yourself to the people that you're interacting with. Because ultimately dating, if you're not having a successful dating life, it is a marketing problem. It is not so much a product problem. When I'm working with clients, I'm not telling you, you need to be somebody who you're not. You need to be like XYZ if you want to attract this kind of woman. No, like you should be your authentic best self, but then you need to learn how to communicate and market that to people that in the real world. Yeah, that's such a strong parallel to the business world. And I think that there is for every business, there is a ideal customer. And for every ideal customer, there's someone who has an answer to the problem that they're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And I think um, going back to what I said about Instagram and talking to, you know, your really niche person, like that person get really granular on who you're talking to. That was really helpful for me starting my business and developing my course as well. I got super into, okay, who's my ideal customer? I wrote a profile on him. What's he listening to? What's he watching? What does he read? And I looked into all of those things because I wanted to get inside their head and understand them even more. And I think that's really helpful for anyone, especially starting a direct to consumer business is get in their head. What are they thinking? What are the words that they use to describe themselves? And those are the words that you should use when you talk to them. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, this is a fun question. I, I always like to ask, or I often like to ask going back, if you could rewind to day one, what would 
you do different? What what would you take with all of the knowledge and the information that you have today? What would you do differently the second time around? Oh, wow. That is a good question. Hmm. I think hindsight's 2020, but I would have believed in myself more from the beginning. You know, listening to this or even talking, it's I probably sound pretty confident in my offering and you know how I got here, which is true today. I feel really good about it. In the beginning, there was definitely nights of tears and not believing in myself. And this is frustrating. And I don't know how to launch this next thing. Um, but just being able to take a step back and know that, okay, you know, I, I know I can help people. And so believing in myself a bit more, uh, from the beginning that it, it would work out. And that's, you know, even now I still have, it's like, I'm saying that, but I still have those days of doubt and, you know, okay, where is this going? Especially, you know, being an entrepreneur and with a course-based business, I am constantly, you know, need, looking for new customers, developing my, how I speak to customers, my offering. And so there's days when it's like, okay, is this still working? Like, do I need to refine my message? So that's definitely a journey, but I guess I'm giving myself that that advice now too, then, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) be confident. That was full circle. I'm like, okay, I should actually take that advice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I love about this show too, in particular, is that I, I think the vast majority of success stories are more of a series of happy accidents and trial mm-hmm. and error than they are necessarily the these stories of design to where you just mm-hmm. you know you are maybe you were born to be a dating coach, but it wasn't like that was just the journey that you fell into and you suddenly had success overnight. Definitely not. (laughs) Yeah. And I think another thing that I would do differently, it's like very kind of, I don't know about minor, but it's very specific is I would have started uh, posting my content on TikTok sooner. I think, um, and that's advice I would give to somebody starting out is you don't want all, you don't want to rely strictly on one uh, source for finding your clients long-term. So the sooner you can start diversifying, like now I'm like, okay, I need to, you know, spend time on TikTok and I need to invest in SEO. Um, and starting those things sooner is just always helpful. Yeah. It's never too late. It always feels like, oh, I should have started that yesterday, but so start today. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I feel that completely. Uh, and now I'm reconsidering my choice of Twitter. Do I need to go to Instagram to TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep up with them all. Um, um, I know that's and well, that's why it's overwhelming. Yeah, I'd say start with one, but then as soon as you feel like you have your feet under you with one, t- look at how you can branch out and then and repurpose what you're doing on one for another. Yeah. Well, to to kind of wrap this up, uh, tell tell us a little bit about maybe what's changed in your life as a result of taking this leap. I imagine. I mean, you'd probably had the pandemic not happen, still been working the travel industry, but what's what's changed for you as a result? I don't imagine you're going back to the travel industry anytime soon. No. I have no plans to ever go back to the travel industry, although I still love to travel. So as a result, I would say I have a lot more confidence in myself. Generally, Uh, I have proven to myself that I can do hard things that I can build a business and support myself. And um, in a way that honestly, I didn't think I, I I wouldn't have got to at least this quickly on the, on the path I was on in the travel industry. Um, Having this sort of, I guess, monetary success wasn't something that was on my radar. But I think when you're bringing, when you're bringing something you're passionate about into the world and you're authentic about that message, people will pick up
up on that and it, uh, they they become more interested in it. So I feel that's one of the biggest changes I felt. I was passionate about travel, but I feel even more passionate about this because I'm really seeing people's lives transform in front of them. And that has given me a lot of confidence that if this disappeared tomorrow, which, you know, knock on wood, it won't, then I would could find something else and I could do something else that would be hopefully just as fruitful and rewarding. Yeah, it's amazing. It's almost the, the person you become as a result of taking that journey is almost the reward in and of itself. Absolutely. Well, tell us uh, what's coming next. Anything coming down the pipeline, new masterclasses, events? Yeah, well, bringing it back to Kajabi. Um, so I had my journey started out with just using Kajabi because I wanted a sales page, like a checkout page. And you guys made it or Kajabi made it really easy to build one that looked good. And so I signed up for that reason. Then I was like, wait, there's a lot more I can do with this. <laughs> and so I've slowly been using more and more of the features. Like now I host my whole course on there. Um, I store all my courses on there. Uh, I about a year ago or in the spring started migrating all of my email marketing over there because I was using all of these different things, which was crazy. And I finally had the time to sit down and migrate that over there. Um, and I am just now looking into starting a community with Kajabi. So that's one Ooh. of the big things that's on my radar moving forward for Dating by Blaine is I have these guys who complete my masterclass and I have this really awesome problem that they want to keep working together. And I don't have a really easy go-to product for that. So I'm working on building a community so people can stay in touch, can help give each other advice because I'm not, you know, there's no one way to skin this cat. Like there's a lot of different ways that you can get great results dating. And a lot of the men who take my program, bring their own value to the table. They might struggle in one area of dating, but be really good in the other. So how to communicate people to how to connect those people so that they can communicate and continue supporting each other. And so I'm just diving into the uh, community side of Kajabi, which I'm really excited about. That's my next launch that I'll be doing. Very cool. Well, we already know you're on Instagram, but where's (laughs) the best place for anyone to find you? Yeah. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Dating by Blaine or datingbyblaine.com. And I have a lot of free resources there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Blaine, for taking the time to join us today. Really fun learning about your story. Incredible. All of the cool parallels associated with dating and starting a business as well. Thank you. Yes, this is so fun. Well, that's all we have for you this week. We will look forward to seeing you all next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast. 